Today is February 13, 2019, and tomorrow is Valentine's Day. I am totally looking forward to it. I am a sucker for Hallmark holidays. Um, but, you know, every day should be Valentine's Day, shouldn't it? Full of love, telling people how much you appreciate them. And be thankful for the people that we have around us. For those of you that are single, it'll happen. It always does when you're not looking. That's how it happened to me. Where do we start? We've had a busy news cycle, but it seems like the majority of the news are pretty stagnant and circular, right? We've got William Barr entering the scene. Are they going to vote him in or not? Ilhan Omar, finally, things are coming out. And, you know, myself and um, from another angle, uh, because, you know, the person who has been investigating Ilhan Omar forever is Laura Loomer. She was actually banned for Twitter for calling her an anti-Semite. Pretty ironic, right? Because now it's proven that she was right. But, you know, Laura Loomer gets silenced, of course. So we're teaming up. I've told you that. We've teamed up. I'm taking it from the money side. She's taking it from the top side, right? She's up. I'm down. And we're meeting in the middle. And it's going to be explosive in the next couple weeks. I've been working on my part for a good portion of a decade. It's all about to come out. You know, it's funny how a lot of us see the struggles that this administration is having, the combativeness, the stymieing of anything that he puts forward, the construing of his words to make him look racist and xenophobic, how it's all crumbling slowly. And reality is now setting in. This Russia collusion was a nothing burger. And you know, everyone knows that Mueller is not going to release the report. Could be that Whitaker said, hey, this isn't even part of the scope. Since you found nothing, wrap it up. And that is what's happening. But you know, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see just what he's been doing with millions of dollars, thousands of witnesses, tens of thousands of documents, and lots of spying. I want to see what he's got. I don't want to report. I want to see it. And then maybe we can ask the Democrats to pay us back all that money that we spent while they knowingly pursued and supported such an investigation. Maybe we could take their money because they're robbing us of tax money, aren't they? We could use that money for something else. The VA, helping our homeless people, funding the wall, putting in checks, you know, that are more important to our national security. But instead, we spent millions and millions on a witch hunt that was put there to just exist. And like Scott Adams said, 
more than likely just have Mueller delete things. But Russia. Funny how that's kind of dying down now. No Russia collusion. But you don't hear that. I mean, they had to say it because it was bipartisan. There's nothing there. And if the Democrats are saying it, it means that they've got, they're in a lot of trouble. People that are in this report and in these tens of thousands of documents and files are in trouble. Schiff coming out, attacking the Mueller investigation, saying it's being compromised because of Attorney General Whitaker. Here's one insane Democrat saying it to him during the hearing. Here you go. Statement that the Russia investigation is a witch hunt. As I mentioned previously, Congressman, I think it would be inappropriate for me to comment about an ongoing investigation. Well, you commented about the Roger Stone investigation, which is ongoing, did you not? Congressman, uh, just to be clear about you this. Did comment on I, the, I mean, I, we I heard you did. comment on the Roger Stone investigation. Why would you comment on the Roger Stone investigation, but you are reluctant to answer our questions about the Mueller investigation? That's a good question, Congressman. And my comments about the Roger Stone investigation were merely to acknowledge that I was aware that CNN had appeared to receive or was was at the investigation. You don't know whether or not the CNN reporter was camped out uh, with no advanced knowledge or whether or not he was tipped off or not. Isn't that a fact? That is true, but I'm very right, well. Let me move on. Let, a, let uh, me move. Hold on, sir. I'm controlling is, the time. Let me move on. I'd like to take a moment to better understand um, your decision not to recuse yourself from the supervision of the special counsel's investigation. Isn't it a fact, sir, that you received your final ethics guidance on this matter on December 19, 2018? I appreciate this question, and I'm glad this is the. Uh, it's a pretty direct question. Did you receive your final guidance on that question? As on you December know, 19th? we have communicated with Congress the uh, entire process that I went to went through uh, to address any recusal questions that I might have, and I had no conflict of interest. I had well, let no me financial. let me just ask you. I understand you take that position, but my simple question is: Isn't it a fact that you received your final ethics guidance on that question on December nineteenth, twenty eighteen? Congressman, we laid out very explicitly the process that we went through and ultimately the decision whether or not to recuse was my decision. Mr. Whitaker, you were asked a direct direct question, and it's getting a little tiresome hearing you stall and wasting the member's time. The member only has five minutes. He, He asked you a specific question. Did you last receive advice on that on December 18th? The answer ought to be yes or no or, or, or some other date, or I don't remember. But you don't, we don't need a speech. The gentleman Mr. may repeat. Mr. No, the gentleman may repeat no, his Mr. question. Chairman, I mean, if we're going to if we're going to counsel the witness and act as his attorney on how he should answer, are you answering the question or is there a witness answering the question? I'm it's asking the witness no. not to stall. And we have endured that many times here when he's trying to ask the question in the way that he is asked. Point of order. Point of order. The gentleman is out of order. Mr. Johnson has animosity complete. Time will be restored. Look at how vicious they are. Sir, isn't it a fact that career officials at DOJ recommended to you that you recuse yourself to avoid an appearance of a conflict of interest or bias? Uh, 
that was the guidance that you got from career DOJ officials about your participation or oversight of the Mueller investigation. Isn't that correct? Congressman, I made my recusal decision by myself. But there were career with DOJ officials who advised you that you should not touch that investigation. Isn't that correct? Congressman. Yes or no? I consulted with career ethics officials. I consulted with my senior staff. I consulted with the Office of Legal Counsel. It was my decision to make. I decided not to recuse. I'm happy to walk through the step-by-step advice that I received. There were, I four, there I, were four individuals who you consulted who advised you that you had the ability to not recuse yourself from this investigation. Isn't that correct? Congressman, the regulations actually say four individuals advised you that you did not have to recuse yourself. Just look how butthurt they are. Let me be clear. It was my decision to make, sir, and I made the decision. In your obstruction and refusal to answer, I'm not obstructing anything. I'm answering your question. Well, you are obstructing. I consulted with a lot of people regarding my recusal, but it was my. Well, you're not telling me who it was. Who did you consult with? As I mentioned, I consulted with name, career ethics Name officials. me some names. I consulted with my senior staff, and I consulted with the Office of Legal Counsel. Name me some names, sir. Well, one person would be the Assistant Attorney General What's for our Office name? of Legal or Counsel. What's his name? Steve Engel. And who He's else? The Senate confirmed. Who else did you consult with? I also consulted with his principal deputy. And that person's name is? His name is Curtis Gannon. And who else did you consult with, sir? Congressman... I'm asking you a, a, a pretty clear question, sir. Who else did you consult with about whether or not you should cons- well, uh, recuse yourself from the Mueller investigation? Generally, who did I consult with? I want to know specifically who you talked to. Okay, well, I, I talked to Brad Weinsheimer, who is the uh, senior career official at the Department of Justice. And he advised you that your recusal was unnecessary, or did he advise you to recuse? He actually could not identify any precedent for me to recuse. He said it was a close call. He said that, I'm sorry, did you have a question? Go ahead. Okay. He said uh, that my other public statements did recognize the professionalism and competence of the special counsel. He said that out of an abundance of caution, uh, that he would, that if asked, he would recommend a certain course. But again, it was, he did also he, did said. Did he recognize that he also recuse said yourself? That, Time of the uh, time of the gentleman has expired. Um. Just let that sit for a moment, right? Did you see? We're tired of you. Who are you to tell the attorney general? Because he's the acting attorney general. That you are tired of him. Who do they think they are? They want names. They are so upset, so upset. But. Again, like I said, their new strategy is to show that our president has a team with people that are, air quote, loyal to him. No, they're not loyal to the president. They're loyal to the people of the United States. That is the bottom line. And there was no precedence and no reason that he had to recuse himself. How dare they? If anyone should have recused themselves, it should have been Rod Rosenstein, but he did. Now, now that this Russia collusion has blown up in their face and they can't scream, but Russia anymore, uh, you know, it's pretty important that we understand 
where they are right now. They are hurting. They know they have nothing. They know that they can't do anything. And what we're doing on our end is pulling triggers for every little facet of attack that they try to push. Disinformation, guys, it's huge. And, you know, I have to give props to Mike Cernovich back in 2015 when he said that disinformation is how, you know, politics is run. And he, he said it back in 2015, 2015. And if anyone um, knows his movie Hoaxed is out, you can go to hoax.com. I'm hoping to get Michael on so he could talk about the movie. I really like him. He says a lot of things that I don't agree with, kind of like, hey, (laughs) Islam in America isn't too bad. I totally disagree with that. But, you know, that's the beauty of free speech and being different, that we can all appreciate everybody's aspect, give them credit where we agree and, you know, argue and debate where we don't. The bottom line is, if you stay to your true north, that's all you can do. And that's what makes free speech, being a free person, amazing. And speaking of free speech, so Twitter... And Instagram had a glitch, air quote. Tweets, um, likes, uh, retweets, uh, reposts, likes, and hearts on Instagram were all disappearing from all conservative accounts. The first one I noticed was um, Richard... um, who I follow, uh, Mills, he is, uh, at Ram Rants, R-A-M-R-A-N-T-S. I love him. I adore that man. Um, he is your unicorn as well, as they would say. He's, um, black, conservative, and gay. Um, amazing, cute guy. So cute, like a button. And, you know, he's done a really great thread on Joe Biden, which I still have as a draft, as an article, because it's not ready to drop. Even though we have information, uh, it's always about when it is released. Kind of like when I released my William Barr information, the reason I did it back in December was to reinforce the delay in his vote, reinforce who he is, and, you know, Rand Paul said the same thing yesterday. And Rand Paul is uh, a great guy for me. Uh, He stays, you know, to his own true north. You know, he knows what he uh, he accepts as actuality. He's a constitutionalist. He's firm. He supports our president a lot. Uh, but on this, he does not. And I stand with him on that. I support my president 100%. And if I was in the Senate and I was put forward with William Barr, unfortunately, I would not give the vote even though my president nominated him. I'm a 100% on that. Uh, I do know that I should trust my president because he knows what he's doing. And for that reason, he also knows that there are people that are not going to confirm him. So that could be part of it. Now, I recycled my article on William Barr. Um, You know, it's had 
an immense amount of hits, uh, hundreds of thousands. It's made its rounds around the world. I retweeted it and pinned it to my Twitter account um, where I explain who William Barr really is and why it's important that he is never attorney general again. Um, Though, you know, there are people that are drinking the Kool-Aid saying that he's the best thing that should happen. And, you know, like I said, the president, when he puts forward someone, uh, doesn't mean that he wants them to be confirmed. He puts them there because he also sees and knows who will and will not confirm. And you have to notice that there are some Democrats that are going to be confirming William Barr, which is interesting. Very interesting. So we need to be more careful at what we see and who's speaking and who's doing and what they're doing. It's never about blind faith. Remember that. And speaking of the president, I thought we could play a little clip because, you know, Ilhan Omar is uh, something that I've been talking about for a while, ever since Laura Loomer um, hit up Minnesota. And you're going to see a lot of her coming around from us soon. There's a lot of people claiming they're leading investigations. Uh, the only person leading any investigations onto Ilhan, we all know, is Laura Loomer. But let's play this clip of what our president said about Ilhan Omar's tweets. Place in the United States Congress. Anti-Semitism has no place in the United States Congress. And Congressman Omar is terrible what she said and i think she should either resign from congress or she should certainly resign from the house foreign affairs committee what she said is so deep-seated in her heart that her lame apology and that's what it was it was lame and she didn't mean a word of it uh, was just not appropriate. I think she should resign from Congress, frankly. But at a minimum, she shouldn't be on committees, certainly that committee. And I agree. What he said was very true. Remember, I played a clip yesterday where she was talking about her terrorism class and how, you know, you give more weight by the way you say things and giggled when they were talking about Hezbollah and Al-Qaeda, you know. Um, So that was really important. But she's doubling down. She actually, three hours ago, retweeted that clip and said, Hi, um, at real Donald Trump, you have trafficked in hate your whole life against Jews, Muslims, indigenous immigrant, uh, black people, and more. I learned from people impacted. I learned from people impacted by my words. When will you? What? She is doubling down. The vice president even tweeted out, and then we had, you know, Chelsea Clinton pop out. So the vice president last night tweeted, Ilhan, uh, at Ilhan MN, tweets were a disgrace, and her apology was inadequate. Anti-Semitism has no place in the United States Congress, much less for the Foreign Affairs Committee. Those who engage in anti-Semitic tropes, 
should not just be denounced. They should face consequences for their words. She needs to face consequences. But here's where Chelsea Clinton chimed in. Mr. Vice President, Congresswoman Ilhan apologized. She has moved on to highlighting challenges facing McDonald's workers. President Trump, a far more powerful person in Washington, has never apologized for his embrace of white nationalism and anti-Semitic and Islamophobic hate. Disinformation much? Do you guys see that? How incredible. They're saying that our president is anti-Semitic, the man that actually moved the embassy to Jerusalem. They say that he's purporting white nationalism. We don't even know what that means. See, people that aren't racist don't know what that means. Racists are the only ones that give merit to such a statement. And then Islamophobia, you know, in one sense, we have to understand that Islamophobia is not something that isn't warranted in one sense, right? Because they truly believe that they are doing God's work. Um, So the extremists like Ilhan Omar, because she is an extremist and her ties with terror cells are incredible. These are hints in Incredible. Um, you know, people are now starting to talk more and it makes you wonder, right? We have candidates that may have been, you know, found out to have slept with another woman and their uh, bids for Congress are totally destroyed or they stole a lipstick when they were 10 or, you know, they got into a, a bar fight when they were 21 or drank beer when they were 18, you know, and their careers are ruined. But this woman... Filed two marriage licenses, filed for two marriage licenses, same guy, but three different names and never really committed to it. Has an arcane background. People are like, that's her brother. And it's like, well, if it was her brother, then they would have come together, you know, 23 years ago as a family. So that's a question. Is it her brother? And if it is, why didn't he come through with the family? Which means what? Ah, Get your juices flowing. So, you know, these are all things that nobody paid attention to. She has to pay fines for using certain organizations like universities to raise money. Did you know that local universities in the state of Minnesota were purporting and offering internships with friends of Ilhan Omar while she was campaigning? Huh? Well, those schools get federal funds. You can't do that. You can't. It's against the law. And this is just one of many. And she has to pay money back for this advertising. No one's talking about that. No one. Kind of like no one talked about how President Obama at that time had to pay a huge fine for election violations, right? Nobody talked about that. But now they want to dig into our president's campaign, And make it a big deal when they have the dirtiest candidates that have been elected and they're allowing them. But see, here's where adults and grownups and actual people that fight for America first. Remember, I talked to you kind of fondly about Mitch yesterday, where here's Mitch pulling the trigger. He's going to force them to vote on this new (laughs) Green Deal by Ocasio. And Ocasio's like, great, let's do it. So it'll be a lot of fun because now the Democrats have to put their vote where they talk smack. So this is what you do. And I've said it before. You do not, you have to be patient. You can't just, 
you know, say, look, I've got the evidence. Here you go. Because for me, in all fronts of, uh, you know, my investigations, I've got tons of evidence, but I don't show it. And, you know, even on social media, I was taunted a couple years ago. Well, if you have it, then why don't you show it? Well, why would I? It's not the right time and place. The right time and place is when you make the other person show it because you need to make the people that are corrupt pull their own pants down. And that is the strategy of smart people. And this is exactly what our president is doing. He's letting them pull their own pants down. Ilhan Omar's obfuscated past and all these, you know, liberals that came up to rescue her care money covering for her, you know, which is terror money, the Muslim Brotherhood covering for her Rashida running in a district she didn't even live in covering for her. It's all going to come out themselves. You know, that is how you fix things. Kind of like the Mueller investigation. You let it go. Don't shut it down. Let it go. Because now what? Now they're pulling their own pants down. You know, but obviously they want to skew it and say, well, you know, the acting attorney general was buddies with the president. And they talked. And this is why he brought him on to shut it down. Well, he's not shutting it down. Mueller has to shut it down. Because that acting attorney general was not Rod Rosenstein. And that acting attorney general saw what they've been doing and said, "Mm, what about scope? Oh, okay. Well, why don't you tell me why you did this? Hmm. Pulling their own pants down. Interesting. I'll see you guys all right after this short break. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855-700-2978. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219. 
1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. Welcome back to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Remember, I'm always live Monday through Friday, 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So what we were talking about is how we get corrupt individuals to pull their own pants down. See, the one thing about someone in power or someone that believes they have power or that they're untouchable is that they don't really cover their tracks. Kind of like I've been saying about my senator that I've been investigating, falsifying federal filings. You all have access to this. Take a look at your senators. Take a look at your congressmen. I got a a DM from someone else that pulled up some information the other day that I'm kind of digging into. This will tell you everything you need to know. You also have to look at the stuff that doesn't make sense. For example... Did you know that Ilhan Omar wrote a letter to Keith Ellison in support of a transgender, okay, look at this, USA powerlifting, right, didn't want a person named J.C. Cooper to compete as a woman. Why? Because J.C. Cooper is a male athlete who identifies as a transgender woman. Now, Is that really fair? Because biologically men are stronger. Is this just another social justice warrior that can't stomach the fact that he can't win in his own biological category that he needs to identify as a woman in order to win? Well, she actually said that the powerlifting organization, USA Powerlifting, is violating Minnesota laws against discrimination. Now, Keith Ellison said, well, you know, he doesn't really look into that stuff. That's what he said. I don't really look into that stuff. But she, as a member of Congress, said she would urge them to see it as discriminatory and called it a myth that men who identify as transgender women have a direct competitive advantage. So now biology is a myth, okay? This is where we're at. Biology is a myth. And keep in mind, this woman's a Muslim. (laughs) So in her country um, and under her Sharia, this dude would be thrown off the roof. But, you know, she's got to give a little to, you know, to Kia and stuff. You got to make it look like you really are impartial. Right. And this is a problem like the women's um, cycling championship. Right. Who won that? 
Nope, it wasn't a woman. It was a biological male. Not at all an advantage, right? Not at all. This is where we're at. 2019, this is where we're at. We are questioning biological axioms. We are questioning nature itself. This is where they have us at. And if you misgender someone, like in the United Kingdom, you will have the police knocking on your door and arresting you. A woman tweeted to a person that identifies as a man that they're still a man. And that feminist said men can't be women. And, you know, this is a growing trend because we all believe in science. We all understand fact from fiction. And yet they're going all out on making us, forcing us by using the law in Europe and here by discriminating you or, well, mm, ousting you from being able to use social media platforms if you do not comply. These are the actions, again, of a totalitarian government penetrating your social circles and your ideologies and your self-thoughts. This is what they do. They're saying, hey, if you say something, uh, you're not going to be allowed to use this service because you need to be saying that you approve. Did you know that in Sweden now, women walk around with hijabs so they don't get harassed and raped? Oh, so now let's do that here in the U.S. Like I said, I put a picture of myself on Facebook, uh, you know, as a profile picture with a hijab. I'll never get banned. I could say whatever I want. This is where it comes to, that they will force you into submission of saying what they want you to think and acting like they want you to act because you must obey. This is reality. Take a step back and look. They want us to obey. Talking about obey, let's listen to just a little tidbit of this uh, markup of H.R. 8, you know, the Bipartisan Background Checks Act for enhanced background checks for guns. Like, they don't already do it. My husband went to buy a pistol, and because he's a permanent resident alien, he had to wait an extra day, right? For us, it's usually, like, same day or whatever. But he had to wait an extra day, so the background. So they do background checks, what do they mean by enhanced background checks? They mean red flags, meaning like if somebody doesn't like me or says, ooh, she was very aggressive with me and she called me a man and I identify as a woman and she was really hateful. You know, they file that and then suddenly you're red flagged and you can't have a gun. I swear this is what's going on. They tried to push that stuff in my state and it didn't work, thank God, because they were trying to say, that if social media or people that don't like you or say your ex-wife can't stand you and she files a police report like, oh my gosh, I'm like so fearful, you know, because you caught her cheating and you got rid of her and she files something like that or a restraining order, which, you know, nine times out of 10 are BS, right? Because they use them as weapons, you know, when people divorce and stuff. So if that's on file, you can't get a gun. This is red flag. So here's a little snippet. Just take a listen to what's How going on here. How much does that 90-second background check typically cost? Are you yielding to me? Yes, sir. Uh, that depends on the market. It could cost $10, $15. Well, uh, well since, uh, Mr. Chairman, you're claiming my time. Since you seem very well-versed in the timing, I don't think that my constituents are mostly worried about the time. I think they would be mostly worried about the cost. And so if the chairman were similarly... Um, similarly able to inform the committee on cost, and then perhaps for those background checks that take 90 seconds or longer, 
Maybe the chairman would be willing to entertain an amendment to make those free. You know, maybe a background check that takes, since 90 seconds constitutes 90% of the background checks, maybe we ought to work on an amendment to say that if your background check takes more than a day, which presumably would be less than 10% of instances, that maybe in those, in those cases, federal law would prohibit someone from charging for a background check. Uh, I'll yield to my colleague from Texas. This is such an important point. It's not the time, but here in Washington, D.C., it's apparently $125. And that would, if it's a trade, both would have to pay $125. And again, it brings back to mind the poll tax, which put a fee, a tax on a constitutional right, which is just wrong. If you have a right to legally possess a gun, Freeze, you shouldn't Gomer, have preach. to come in and pay $250 in Washington to swap guns. And I appreciate the time. You're back to Mr. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, back. I would recognize you. Yield to the ranking member. You still have time? Yes, I yield to the ranking member. And I, well, one of the things I also want to point out here mm-hmm. is that we're discussing a bill that, frankly, we're probably we're going to get to in here in a little bit, that in the bill itself it does not, it, in fact, it specifically prohibits a limit on what you could actually charge for this. This bill actually has that. So you could actually, in a state that wanted to do away with this, they could charge a $1,500 fee to do a background check. This bill, again, when you read the details of the bill, it becomes even more concerning, and your point is well raised. With that, I yield back to the gentleman. I'm going to recognize myself. I just want to make point out a couple of things. Exchanges of guns, which is what this amendment is talking about, are common among criminals and interfere with the ability of law enforcement to trace guns that have been used in crime. That's why criminals like to exchange firearms to avoid accountability for their crimes, number one. Number two, what's to stop a criminal from exchanging a high-cost assault weapon for a revolver and some drugs or money? Will the gentleman yield? No, I will not yield. This sounds like a loophole. I I will not yield at the moment. This sounds like a loophole that criminals will exploit. And finally, I want to say that a 2004 survey of prison inmates found that 34% of those inmates who had been convicted of gun offenses had obtained their most recent gun from a friend or family member. and 30% had obtained the gun on the street or through drug dealers or similar sources. In other words, to summarize, this amendment, which would exempt from the background check a transfer, which is an exchange of firearms, would exempt from background checks one of the most common means of criminals, the exact people we don't want to have guns, of getting guns, and would... Uh, make it harder for law enforcement to trace the guns uh, used in crimes. It's exactly what we shouldn't want to do, I would think. I'll now yield to the gentleman. Thank thank you, Mr. Chairman. I I would just ask, why did you reference high-power assault reference when the gentleman's amendment only deals with handguns? Reclaiming my time. The gentleman's amendment is not, it it says a transfer is an exchange of firearms that does not limit it to handguns. Firearms includes... uh, high-cost assault weapons, but I referenced it because uh, one can imagine a, uh, a transfer where someone has a, a pistol and gives it to someone else for an assault rifle. Uh, so I just wanted to say, listen to them. They, want, they don't want to limit on the fees. So imagine if you're going to buy a handgun from your friend or a shotgun, right? 
and um, which happens a lot in North Dakota, right? They're like, oh, I want to upgrade. Oh, I want to get, you know, an AR-15. So I'll send, I'll sell my handgun for 300 bucks to help facilitate the cost of it, which is about five, $600. And so people do trades within each other. So now they're like, well, people, if they're going to be exchanging it, they need to, um, you know, do background checks on each other. And I'll tell you what, my husband asked that question. He's like, what if I ever like sold it or upgraded or whatever, the serial number on this handgun, like what happens? And it was explained to him. Basically you have a bill of sale. You put the person's name that you sold it to the serial number of the gun and you keep that. And that's basically it. So if the person that you sold it to never registered it or never sold it to like a company that registers, you know, or if you don't sell it back to like a a store, you know, an arms dealer, um, you know, you're covered that you sold it on that date and that's it. And everyone does that when they sell cars, right? When they sell weapons. I mean, I know when I got rid of a couple of pistols, uh, when I was, uh, crossing, uh, the United States from one side, from the East coast to the West coast, I got rid of them and I was like, Oh, I'll just get more on the other end as opposed to, you know, be stopped. And they find a handgun, even though it's separated. And even though I bought it legally in Kentucky, you know, bought them in Kentucky, they could cause me issues and I didn't need the headache. So I was like, I'll just get rid of them. But I sold them to an arms dealer. So that way it's recorded that the gun that I purchased, you know, is recorded that I did sell it and it's done. Uh, so this is what, they're trying to do is to have more control to see who has what weapon and when and to create these red flag implementations. But here's the kicker. They're assuming that criminals are going to follow the law. So in essence, this is the most unconstitutional attack I've seen from people that are supposed to be there to defend the constitution. Because no criminal is going to go walk into a store and buy it, nor will they probably give you their real name when you sell the gun. And they'll say, well, it's your responsibility. Well, the guy gave me his driver's license. It said so, you know, I sold it. You know, criminals aren't going to go back and forth. Usually the guns that they have in their possession, like he said, are from family members or friends, probably stolen. So they're not even theirs to begin with. This is how incredible it is. And here's where... They break it down just to show how these Democrats are trying to limit our, our ability to, you know, enjoy the Second Amendment, which is imperative to protect the first, of course. Take a listen. Or, or rather, take, give in which money and the pistol is exchanged for, for or many, maybe the pistol and drugs are exchanged for the assault rifle. And one would like to know who has the assault rifle. I yield back the balance of my time. Just Mr. Chairman. The gentleman, uh, gentleman from uh, Georgia. Yeah. Moose try last word. Gentleman's recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I think it's interesting, and again, this conversation gets better and, and better as we discuss this, because you, the chairman just made mention that criminals swap guns. This is a way to avoid. How many of us in this room, and honestly, if we had a, you know, nobody could see anybody, would raise their hand and say that a criminal is going to follow HR 8? Nobody. I mean, this is the problem. I understand the, the desire. Collins is in my head. Problem, but when you talk about the issue of criminals, this is live, guns, by the way. HRA will not apply to that because criminals are criminals by very nature of your tag. Right. Criminals are not going to go and say, "Hey, let's you know, I'm going to trade your gun for my gun. Let's go get a background check." They're not going to do it. It is interesting also that you mentioned tracing guns used in crimes, which, by the way, the registry is not a part of your bill. 
<coughs> the DOJ from the Obama administration wanted as a part of that. I think these are the kind of things that these kind of markups, and I appreciate the chairman for doing this. I appreciate this markup because these are the kind of questions that do need to be asked. These are the questions that do need. But, it, but to simply use as a reason this amendment is not a good one is that criminals want to swap guns and that they're going to run to, to get them checked on H.R. 8 is just, frankly, no matter what you feel about this bill, no matter if you're passionately for it or passionately in, criminals are not going to run and get background checks. Will the gentleman yield? Will the gentleman yield? Will the gentleman yield? Sure, I'll yield. So the gentleman has said several times now this morning that uh, criminals will not try to get a background check. And I wonder how he would answer the question that since the Brady Law was passed requiring background checks, three and a half million illegal gun sales have been stopped. So three and a half million people who were disqualified, either because they were convicted criminals, determined to be mentally ill and and, uh, institutionalized, or some other disqualifying factor, tried to break the law and buy a gun. Three and a half million people were denied. So when you say they don't work, that's simply not true. They do work. The problem is they don't cover all gun sales. Uh, Reclaiming my time, I think the interesting argument made by the gentleman, but if those are also Nick's denials, and my question is, is why are we not prosecuted? That's another question for that issue. They've I'm not happy to answer that. False, yeah. On a false question. I yield to the invitation. And, and, yeah, I would, I'm glad this number was brought up. Uh, another one of our colleagues across the aisle brought up 3 million people who were denied um, access to a, a firearm because they tried to acquire one illegally. Now we're hearing 3.5 million. The fact is those were the first hits when the name is submitted in the most generic phonetically spelled form, and over 96 percent, and it may only be 1 percent of the 3 million, but over 96 percent turned out to be false hits. And when they went to second and sometimes third review, they found this was not the person in in uh, an issue that was trying to get a gun or get a um, background check completed. So, it's not three million. It's not three and a half million. And under the Obama administration, there was one year where they only prosecuted, I think it was four convictions out of all of those, you know, hundreds of thousands of false hits, but only resulted in four convictions. So I yield back to my friend. And I'll, and I'll yield to the gentleman from California. All right. So this is live right now. This is what they're discussing in the House right now. And what he said was very important. You see how the Democrats, again, disinformation saying three and a half million, you know, people attempted to buy, you know, weapons illegally when they shouldn't. And he's like, well, hold on a second. That's from like that 90 second thing. Because you put your name in and it'll pop up, you know, oh, maybe it's similar to this, maybe similar to that, maybe the date of birth. I know when the, when my child was going through her background check, uh, you know, some <laughs> some 44-year-old black man from Virginia <laughs> who's a registered sex offender popped up. Obviously not her. But, you know, these things happen. And what he said was when it, there was a second review, it was like, no, they don't qualify to be disqualified from having a handgun. So this is very important. The disinformation that they are spreading is ridiculous. And in the house right now, there's uh, about 10 people wearing red T-shirts saying moms demand action. So you're going to hear about how we need weapons off the streets. We need guns away from people, regardless if you're law-abiding or not. And this bill is not targeted for law-abiding. This is supposed to be stopping criminals. But think about it. I mean, if, if, if I want to sell a, you know, a shotgun that I have for hunting, and my state decides, well, I want you know, so many 
hundreds of dollars uh, to do a background check that I have to pay to do on the guy I'm selling it to and then the guy has to do on me who is buying it in order to be a valid um, sale. It's going to be expensive and no one's going to be buying guns and no one's going to have guns and that's a problem. I mean, most law-abiding citizens, like I would say, hands down, 90% of them go to places like, you know, arms dealers, gun gun shops, uh, sports shops. It used to be Dick's. Now it's just Shields around here where I'm at. Or, or Walmart and other places where you can buy guns legally, where they have the systems, where they do the background checks, give your identification, fill out the form, and that's it. And uh, that's where they usually buy it. The other 10% of law-abiding citizens are usually just, hey, dad, I want that shotgun. Sure, son, here you go. Or, hey, your friend is like, you know, tight for money. And they're like, well, I have a gun. I could sell it. I need money. Sure. And you give your neighbor 500 bucks and you got yourself a new AR-15, you know, and you do like a little simple bill of sale to cover your butt on the serial number. That's it. I mean, this is what law-abiding citizens do anyway. So why are we writing, why are we amending this to supposedly stop criminals from doing it because a criminal's not going to walk into Shields knowing that they have a felony charge and they won't be able to buy a gun or if they're, you know, um, flagged because they're mentally uh, disabled or whatever, uh, you know, why would they go in there and do it? It wouldn't make sense at all. So this is a gun grab. This is insane and you know the fact that the democrats are pushing it indicates that they want to disarm us they're already targeting our first amendment they've targeted our our second amendment and you know our fourth is coming now i mean they are just vicious the party no longer stands for anything that the people want no longer stands for American values. We have to understand that. And when I say the party, I speak generally just for the Democrats, even though I know there's a lot of Republicans in that mix too. But, you know, our president cleaned out most of it. We still have holdovers that hopefully won't make it till even up to 2022 when they're supposed to be reelected, hopefully. So this is really interesting. This is the news today, not what they're telling you is the news. Um, the news is what's really happening, which is that they're trying to gun grab. There's not a lot of attention to this, uh, which is scary. But another news that is really important is what's going on right now um, in Warsaw. You know, we have a huge summit going on right now for um, peace and security in the Middle East. We have um, Pompeo out there. Uh, he met a bunch of people. Uh you know, Slovaks talking about NATO, what they could do. Um, you know, Pompeo went there, I think it was like early yesterday, and he's uh, building these relationships with countries uh, that are tired of the European Union socialist antics. And they're discussing how to end ongoing crises with the Ukraine. You know, the Ukraine has been abused by the European Union right now. They have so much debt. It's, you know, at, at today's rate, I think it would be six to seven times the debt of Greece that was, you know, uh, you know put on eBay <laughs> by the EU. Uh, it's pretty bad. They've taken advantage of these people, uh, disinformation campaigns. And so 
it's it's pretty incredible, you know, that our country is leading on this freedom, this liberty that they're putting forward. And the vice president and Jared Kushner are there today at the Warsaw Summit. And um, President Duda, you know, is hosting them. There's uh, 70 other nations there right now. They're all talking about peace and security in the Middle East. And remember, our country is not taking the stance of apologies. It's about freedom and, um, you know, how we give freedom back to people. And it's important because when our nation involved themselves in Middle Eastern affairs 40 years ago where Peter Strzok's father helped take down the Iranian regime and put up Khomeini. There's been 40 years now of corruption, repression, and terror. And it's 40 years of failure. And that's something that the president retweeted, uh, tweeted out about a, a day ago and both in, you know, Farsi and um, English. It is very important for us to recognize that actions of previous administrations has, have caused immense issues in the Middle East because it was all about money. That petrodollar, uh, we talked about it. Um, you can go back. I've uploaded all of them, and I'm, I, and I'm a lot more diligent of trying to upload my shows same day. Uh, you know, was there to buffer this fiat currency since it wasn't gold back, but just gold tied in fluctuations. So we're, we're moving away from the petrodollar and we want to bring peace back. We want competition because it's only through competition that we have innovation advancements and society growing. When there is no competition, there is no innovation. What is the point for innovating if no one is competing for that innovation? So it's, uh, this is what's going on right now. NATO is uh, kind of being put in a box and they're going to have to answer. Uh, and this is, I think, after today, it'll be a huge thing to see what uh, the geopolitics within the Middle Eastern regions are. Because what we're trying to do is get everyone on board to do the same thing we're doing in Venezuela, release them from tyrannical regimes, let people compete, stop this pipeline, stop the siphoning, and let's all work together to compete and create a healthy global economy. I'll see you all in a few after this break, and I'll be opening up the phone lines. Remember, you can call 215-TOP-TALK. Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic. 
Unfiltered News. Real News. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Sess Show. This is the second half of the Tory Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Uh, you can find um, my latest writings on torysess.com. Always find me on Red State Talk Radio, 12 to 2 Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. And obviously on Twitter and Gab. Remember, February 18th, there's a 48-hour social media blackout. So I'll be gabbing. I won't be Facebooking and I won't be tweeting. So hopefully everyone else will kind of join and follow suit. I mean, you can observe, but just don't like, retweet, or post. And show them how we decide what is allowed. Uh, allow them to have an echo chamber of liberals. Allow them to not make money on promoted items. Whenever I see an advertisement fly through my Twitter feed, I... Um, I click the little button and I block them or I say I do not want advertising. Uh, that way they don't have the ability to push whatever they want into my face. Now, the second hour, of course, I always open up my phone lines. Again, the number is 215-TOP-TALK. That's 215-867-8255. So we only talk about real news and what's really going on. Uh, this is what uh, we need to be focusing on. What is going on? Kind of like the debate right now with the guns, the fact that Pelosi is telling Democrats to fall behind this border security package, which is interesting. Um, President Trump either or is able to fund the wall. We know this. Uh, but let's talk about health care. That's something I know very well. Let's talk about uh, immigration. Let's talk about Russia. Let's play a clip. That came from MSNBC that the president trolled by saying, thank you, MSNBC. Let's play a clip of what they had to say that there is no Russia collusion. Um, that was pretty interesting, and I think it was a hard pill for many to swallow. Let's take a listen. This committee, their investigation into exclusive reporting on the Senate Intelligence Committee, their investigation into Russian election interference and what they have and have not uncovered. NBC's Ken Delanian has just jumped in front of a camera to join me with his new reporting. So, Ken, what are you hearing? What are you learning? Hallie, after two years and interviewing more than 200 witnesses, the Senate Intelligence Committee has not uncovered any direct evidence of a conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russia. That's according to sources on both the Republican and the Democratic side of the aisle, Hallie. And careful viewers and readers will note that Senator Richard Burr, the chairman of the Intelligence Committee who leads this probe, essentially said that in an interview with another network last week. But what I've been doing since then is checking with my sources on the Democratic side to understand the full context of his remarks, because that was essentially a partisan comment from from one side. But this is a bipartisan investigation. And what I found is that the Democrats don't dispute that characterization. What happened there? Oh, no Russia collusion. But, you know, obviously we didn't hear any of this uh, reporting except for that clip. So Russia, reality has crushed now. Russia is no longer an issue. They acknowledge it, like we said at the, at the first hour. And now they're attacking it. They're going to try to say there is no Russia collusion we, um, because the president must have done something to avoid this, right? We talked about this and how they're going to try to spin it. 
Well, remember how last year I was saying the only thing that we have to focus on right now is to see how we can get ourselves healthcare fixed. We know that Secretary Azar had tried, had appointed a guy, I wrote an article about it, um, to lower the cost of pharmaceuticals, and it didn't work. Why? Because the man was found dead in front of his house, right, by his garage uh, from multiple blunt force trauma, yet it was ruled a suicide. Go figure. I didn't know that you could beat yourself to death. Now, let's take a look at what the secretary is saying he's doing, and I'll chime in and tell you how factual what he's saying is. Let me play this clip. Give me one moment so I can get this ready for you. There we go. Come on, play. So under President Trump, what we found is that in our Medicare program for senior citizens, for the drugs that doctors administer in their offices to patients, like uh, an infusion product, we're paying 180% of what the Europeans, the Canadians, and the Japanese are paying for the exact same drugs. What's going on? Pharma is making all their profit here in the United States, and then they're giving these sweetheart deals in the other countries. Everything they make abroad is gravy because they're getting all their profit here, paying for all the research and development here in the United States. What President Trump has said is we're going to end this foreign free riding, and we are demanding that we get a percent of the same discounts that these wealthy countries are getting in our Medicare program. If the drug companies choose to give these discounts to other rich countries, we need to get a share of those discounts also. That's ending foreign free riding, and that's going to save seniors who pay about 20% of whatever we reimburse for these drugs. They pay that out of pocket. That's real pocketbook savings for America's seniors by ending foreign free riding. All right. So I want to direct you to a very old show that I did. Um, If you find it on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, you can see that I did a whole program on the over 65 and what Obamacare did to that. It's important that you uh, listen to that portion to understand. Now, I want to say something on the foreign medications, and I think I've mentioned this before. Um, You know, I I have family overseas, and there are many times that if my mom comes or I have relatives there, you know, I'll ask them to send me medications that are only $3 a box in their brand name, like Augmentin, for example, you know, antibiotics that you could use, rather than me have to shell up $84, you know to pay for antibiotics that are prescribed to my children or myself. So if the doctor says Augmentin, 625 milligrams or whatever the generic um, uh, medication he may write, I then, you know, ask, hey, can you mail it to me? Because it's $3. This is reality, guys. All these countries around the world have discount medication. There's people in North Dakota that drive to Canada to get discount medications. Obviously, they've stopped being that lenient because now, you know, Obama quashed that gravy train for us by, you know, implementing that we need to bring um, specific um, prescriptions or pay their doctors to prescribe. But simple things. I mean, think of our over 65 that, you know, don't have a great uh, social security income that, you know, the average amount of social security that someone gets is about $600 uh, at at the high end a month. 
and couples, you know, uh, where the wife wouldn't work and she's like on a T status, you know, getting the pension, you know, because of her husband working and she gets one is like another 300. So they're living below poverty. And according to the way we have it, they have to pay 20% of their healthcare costs and Obamacare killed them by offering private companies to carry those because like I've explained before, the way Medicare works, let's say you're over 65, say you're Ruth Bader Ginsburg, (laughs) but you're not the judge, right? So I'm Ruth. I fall down. I crack my ribs and I go to the hospital, right? If we believe that narrative. So I go to the hospital and once I enter with my Medicare, um, they'll run it under part A, which is for hospital. If I am to stay in there or part B, if I can be released within 24 hours. So they've done that. So the costs are different because here's what happens from day one of entering into the hospital. If you're just on original Medicare, you have to pay $1,260 on average nationwide, um, as your copay. But, but that means that if you leave, you know, two days later or a day later, you've paid that 1260 and within the next, you know, 30 days, if you come back to the hospital, you don't have to pay anything again. That's the way they say is fair. Um, so that's one. If they run it under B, it'll be like a doctor's visit only higher and you'll be responsible for 20% of that cost. Now, um, what Obamacare did was it introduced private companies that started as PPOs when it first came in, where you could pick your doctor and stick with them. And now they've pretty much downsized every single Medicare program to HMOs, meaning you can only see the doctors, right, that are in our network. And see, the way it works with doctors is I may contract with an insurance company and um, they'll say, well, for a doctor's visit, we'll only pay you 160 If I have a client base that has, you know, um, TRICARE, which pays me more, I'm going to be like, well, I don't want to take your insurance because it's BS. It, I, I make more money taking these types of patients. I don't like that plan. And remember, these plans are all different They depending on what you pay. They they pass it to our over 65s as, hey, it's $0 copay a month. And all you do is pay $20 to go see your doctor. But that doctor that is accepting your plan, you know, uh, today may not tomorrow. That updates all the time. On top of that, they also restrict what pharmacies you can use. Now there's been uproar in certain States and this is pretty much hush hush, but I've been following it because I had filed multiple times on behalf of the over 65 population complaints to the department of justice in regards to, uh, medic, med, pharmaceutical access. So what happens is your patient, say you have, um, psoriasis and you're taking this medication, this cream that you're taking for like 15 years and you're applying it to your body. One day you miss and you're starting to itch. You get breakouts. It's just horrible. And you're like 80 years old and your insurance every year, according to the law now changes, they change your plan. If you don't pick a different company, they'll roll you over to the next one. That's comparable to what you have. But in regards to pharmaceuticals, those are updated every year. There's something they call a formulary. Well, now you're still on the same medication and your insurance company decides you don't need to put the cream on every single day. We, our guidelines say you should only be applying it 72 days out of 90. So suddenly you find yourself with no medication. 
So you call your insurance company. You're like, yo, I went to the pharmacy to go get a refill and they told me I can't come back till like, I don't know, what is it? February now. So let's say March, right? And you're like, I need it every day and I don't have medicine. I mean, it's been one day. I went to the pharmacy. I didn't get it. Like, what do I do? And you actually then have to get with your doctor. Your doctor has to get with their doctors and they will review to see if they will approve what your doctor says is necessary for you. This is the reality of what Obamacare did to our over 65. Not only that, the prices for medications, because there's like five tiers, change all the time. So where you were getting, you know, Say for like our diabetics, they take metformin, right? Um, the brand name is Glucophage. Now keep in mind that each pharmaceutical manufacturing company uses different components uh, or fillers for their pills. So maybe if you get one from GSK, uh, the filler is, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to say anything now here without being too specific, but let's say GSK uses cornstarch for fillers and, um, you know, Teva Pharmaceuticals uses, I don't know, um, flour, like all, all purpose flour. I'm just saying to bind it. Right. So you notice that in your body, the one from Teva Pharmaceuticals doesn't work with you, the flour one, but the one from GSK that maybe the brand name of glucophage works better because cornstarch doesn't interact. It has, you know, you know, in your body, it works different. You may be, I don't know, gluten intolerant, whatever. And so you tell your insurance company, look, I can't get the generic metformin. It's not working for me. I have to be on a higher dose. Um, I need to get the brand name. Well, that's a tier four. So that means you're going to have to pay 33% of the cost of the brand name. Do you see what I'm trying to get to? They are literally making our over 65 population pay out the nose for medications, let alone everybody else. So this is something that the president this year has to focus on 100%. He has to focus on healthcare reform. And these sweetheart deals they're talking about is not so much that um, they have, and this sounds really sinister, but it's real. They have agreements with countries like the European Union, for example, where medications can only come from this specific company or this manufacturer. And a lot of people within European states have voiced their concerns because they are not able to use alternate uh, medications. So for like angiostaltics, they use Valsteren um, for, you know, anxiety, for example. You want to use Xanax, right? But they tell you, no, you're going to use lorazepam. Uh, no, not lorazepam, sorry. Um, a bromazepam, which is kind of like lexitinil. Lexitinil is illegal, um, is not sold and not FDA approved within the United States, but it's only used within the European Union and Xanax isn't. So this is, this is where it gets iffy. So what he's saying about sweetheart deals is right, but they know that that medication is going to only be sold kind of like almost a kickback. Make sense? So that's how the farm industry works. And this is why those countries get better deals because they have blind trust in the pharmaceutical manufacturers that they're actually providing the medications that they're stating. Um, within the U.S., we like to give the illusion that we have options when we don't. Your insurance company will also tell you that you can use their mail order pharmacy because they have these, as he coined, sweetheart deals. So if you, like for example, I get uh, from an injury that I've sustained, I have to uh, get intramuscular injections personally, B12 intramuscular injections every month. Now, if I buy it from a pharmacy, 
directly, you know, my insurance covers whatever, I still have to pay, it's like $90 copay. But if I go through the, uh, the, the pharmacy that my insurance offers where they mail it to me, I only pay $10. Do you see what I'm trying to say? So this is a really big deal because insurance, pharma and healthcare, they're all intertwined. And those doctors that really want to help us can't really do anything because their hands are tied because of these insurance slash pharma deals. Um, we have a caller. Uh, welcome to the Tory Sess Show. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I'm listening to you talk about uh, that. This is Kelly from Nebraska, actually. I talked to you yesterday. Hi, Kelly. How um, are you? Hi. I'm great. Um, anyway, my, my dad has bladder cancer, and he has been uh, taking uh, treatments for the last uh, two years. And there was a medication uh, suppository that um, he had to use to control uh, spasms in his bladder after these treatments. And they, he can't get it anymore. They they won't release it at the hospital. He They won't release it at the pharmacy. Um, the medications, again, like you were saying, that, that, that did work, he can't get them anymore. So they give him another medication that dries his eyes out. Well, he's had cataracts. So that causes problems with his cataracts. Mm -hmm. He's getting ready to uh, possibly lose his sight because the medication that they're giving him now is drying his eyes out. So he can't take that anymore. He doesn't sleep at night because of the bladder spasm. So it's it's. Uh, have you guys it's, appealed to the insurance company? I help people all the time. This yes. is kind of like a side gig that I do. Um, there's methods that you can appeal to what because what people don't understand is that your insurance company now is actually your doctor, and yeah, they they, they do. We've, we've done that, and they they said no, they they don't they won't make it anymore. They won't release it anymore. It's too. It's got it has belladonna in it, and so they won't uh, they won't release it to him. Uh, even with a prescription, even from the hospital. The hospital, after his procedures, can't even give it to him anymore. His insurance company, we went round and round and round with his insurance company, trying to get them to, to pay for something that works. Well, it's it's not working. And so he has epilepsy, so he doesn't sleep at night. So he's on a half a dozen different medications that he's had to, that work, that he's had to back off because it causes this, it causes that. It's it's terrible. I he sat down and did his taxes the other day, and he was talking to me about the tier one drugs, tier one to tier tier four. Right, right. Once he reaches a certain amount of money at the end, he goes into the donut the year, hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then he has to pay all of that out of pocket. He spent over seven thousand dollars on medication last year alone. One. One of his prescriptions for two weeks is $320. And that's probably because he has like a carry plan. So he's probably using an HMO like United Healthcare or something like that, right? Yeah. Well, see, yeah, uh, see I, I think people should just stick to original Medicare. Uh, personally, um, but like for us that, you know, will be coming up to that point when, when we turn 65 to get Medicare, I highly advise, you know, and, and, you know, I reinforce this to my kids. If anything happens and, you know, I can't make it, we need to have a part C plan purchased from day one because later they cost you more. I think he, I think he has. Part C Medicare, means that he, he doesn't pay. Has a, 
like a, a supplement. Um, he hasn't really told. It's probably the but there's there's part A which is hospital, part B that is medical, right for doctors. Then there's part C right. that you can buy, but it costs something like two hundred dollars a month, which covers that twenty percent. And then part D that here's the kicker: you have to have prescription coverage, and they don't tell you this, right? Because Medicare original right. doesn't have it, but Obamacare kind of made it law that you have to have it, and if you don't. They fine you for not having it. So there's four parts. Right. Part he C has, is optional. And I know he has prescription coverage. Right, he has to. Yeah. By the time he gets towards, yeah, by the time he gets towards the end of the year, they won't cover anymore. He's having to pay like seventy percent, and they pay thirty percent of it. Right, and then they're and like, I'm, once I'm, you meet this much money, then you're in the catastrophic, and we'll pay everything. Right. That's the way it usually right, goes. Right. Right. But this is why I always say um, to people, you know, I don't know why you're veering away from original Medicare. Because if you keep original Medicare, that's where I've kept my mother. Um, you know, okay, you can. Well, I need to ask him and see what he exactly has. He's pretty savvy about his his uh, health insurance and and finances and all of that sort of stuff. But um, I'll sit down and ask him. Is if there's a better option that we can do to get more of that prescription paid because it's it's ridiculous. Well, with the prescriptions, I just wanted to say if they're not doing their job, uh, one thing that I tell everyone is you always call Medicare because remember these companies like United Healthcare, Omaha, Aetna, Cigna HealthSpring, all of those that carry these contracts, um, they are in contract with Medicare. And they're supposed okay. to be um, doing what original Medicare would be doing. Uh, obviously, original Medicare doesn't offer prescription plans. But from what I'm assuming, because now they've pretty much pushed it, they're like, oh, you get prescription and everything from us. You don't need your red, white, and blue card. You just show this kind of thing in copays. But if you put a formal complaint at CMS, because I actually contract and do this type of work where I advocate um, okay. And it's usually for people that are limited English proficient because a lot of people are like, hey, you sound xenophobic. But here I am, you know, helping people that don't speak English, that have paid their taxes and are legally migrated here to get access to this stuff. Uh, you know, you call CMS and the Center for Medicaid Services, uh, Medicare Services, will always advocate for the patient and they will file a complaint with the insurance company that could cost them millions because they could get fined. Now, this medication that he needs, this is something, you know, people should always tap into, like, you know, Secretary Alzar. You can you can send him a letter and say this is a problem. Okay. They will look into it. Uh, I've had people do it. I know um, I got a call from the Department of Justice when I filed complaints uh, back in 2010 where uh, they okay. were limited in accessing doctors. And they said that because they're using carry contracts – that can't be honored. So that was the, the, oh. the loophole. The loophole was that they've pushed all these, hey, if you go with us, you pay zero copay, but you're still paying your Part B, which is $134 on average a month. They take it out of your Social Security. Okay. You know, the, the Part B he pays for. He pays for that. Okay. He definitely pays for that from his, like, whatever his Social Security is. They take out $134 to have Medicare. So even though you've paid into it, you're still paying for insurance, believe it or not, uh, once you're okay. of that age. Obviously, you can sign up with your state program and get that waived without being a Medicaid patient, 
but you know, it depends on state from state, but it's a real problem. The medications are a huge problem, um, especially for conditions like your father's. I mean, if it's been uh, helpful and the patient should be able to advocate for that. I mean, the right to try that President Trump just signed in is important and people should have access to that. You know, we have the Democrats pandering to us, Kelly. Hey, you know, health is a right. Well, why are you not allowing me to have access to things that work for me? They right, limit that. Right. That is very true. They limit that. They that tell you. Center, Center for Medical. Medicaid services? Yes, CMS. Yes, Center for Medicare, Medicare and Medicaid services. But if you call 1-800-MEDICARE, you could, you know, obviously have your father with you and then ask to speak on his behalf. He'll verify his information. They go through that whole spiel. And you can say, listen, we've been trying to get with the insurance company and we're extremely unhappy because this works for him. Like, when has my insurance company turned into being my doctor? I need you guys to, okay. you know, uh, communicate with the insurance company because I'm having a problem. Or you can ask them, how can we revert back to original Medicare? Because once you do that, you have to make okay. sure that you get a separate uh, prescription plan. And that way you can ask them to look up that medication and see what insurance company covers it. And uh, see, Obamacare okay. again did it. You remember? There's only a few companies that yeah. operate in your state. So then you're screwed there too. Right. Because if there's only two of them yeah. or like in Florida, there was like one or a, even in my state here, there's like one, you know, they, yeah. they run the show. And, you know, healthcare is, yeah, I I mean, Kelly, I I feel for you. I do this on a daily basis, working with people that go through this and, you know, and these crazy programs, you know, they probably call your father up and say, hey, would you like a free nurse practitioner visit at your home? No cost to you. Mm, Those are the sneakiest things ever. You know what they do? They collect information. They come in there and they yeah, case your yeah. house. They know how many steps you have. So if you break your hip and you want to go home and get physical therapy like you're entitled to buy insurance in your own home, they'll say no because we know you have steps or we know your bathroom doesn't have handles and then you're stuck going into um, rehab which is a moneymaker for them. So it's, oh, you know, yeah, yeah oh, they yeah. they do health questionnaires or tell you that they're helping you navigate by giving you a case manager. These are all, you know, loopholes. Um, you know, I don't think that the people that are calling that are nurses are there um, intentionally to cause harm to are over 65, you know, I think they think what they're doing is good, but all they're doing is collecting information and data to help formulate what costs, yeah, what costs next year happen. I mean, you feel free to get in touch with me. Email me at Tori at Tori says.com. I'd be more than happy to send you information. It's all available on CMS, but kind of help you navigate because it is very, very complex. Um, uh, You know, but always remember you're a Medicare recipient. So what do you do? You can call Medicare, original Medicare, the grievance line, because these insurance companies can be held accountable just like hospitals can. So, uh, you know, it's, you can get patient advocates too on it, um, you know, through original Medicare. I mean, Kelly, so you see what president Trump is up against right now in regards to healthcare, you know, 
Yeah, thank, there's no doubt about that. Yeah, thank you so there much for, no doubt about that. for sharing that. And I, if anybody I needs, and I hate it, so. yeah, no, if anybody needs any help on that or understanding that, um, remember you can always reach out to Original Medicare, not the people that carry your insurance, but Original Medicare. And you know, like I said, I would always say stick with the original one. Why are you going through the Obamacare mandates and using these carry contracts? Because no doctor can decline Perfect. Original Medicare. Nobody can. Well, I will uh, I'll visit my dad this afternoon and see what we can get. Uh, yeah, and feel free. And, email and, uh, me. Email me and let me know yeah. how it goes. I'd be more than happy to help because Perfect. this is this is highly complex. I appreciate that very much. It's my pleasure. Don't mention it, Kelly. Um, thank you so much yeah. for bringing that up because I think a lot of people um, – don't know what really goes on. We just hear sound bites and it's important that there's real people that suffer from these pharmaceutical costs and medical costs. Yeah. It's, it's, it's horrific. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Thank you there, so much for that. There isn't That's... any sense in what they do. So it, I agree. Um, I, I appreciate your time. Thank you. No, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. So guys, yeah, yeah, have a great day. Thank you so much. You too, <laughs> Kelly. Thank you. Guys, just like Kelly did, uh, feel free to chime in. Um, feel free to call. Again, it's 215-TOP-TALK, 215-867-8255. Again, this is a really big issue for all of us um, around around the nation, not just over 65, but us people that haven't hit that you know, golden mark. Uh, we no longer have control of our health insurance. And if this Medicare for all idea pushes and goes through the way the Democrats want it to, we will have even less control from it. Uh, they will be able to provide whatever medications they want because they know better. Uh, they will be able to do a lot of things. And we have to, you know, they kept saying, you're going to keep your doctor. How'd that work out? Um, but I'm always by the fact that, you know, bottom line is you've been paying Medicare all your life. So whenever you have an issue with your insurance company, if you're over 65, they are the first people you need to contact. Um, you know, they are the ones that will help you. They can tell you who's really carrying your contract because these people are bidding on using Medicare contracts. And again, no doctor can refuse original Medicare, your red, white, and blue card. Nobody can. But they can refuse Medicare through United Healthcare or um, Aetna, Blue Cross Blue Shield, you know, uh, Cigna. They can refuse that if they want to. And pharmacies can refuse too. Uh, so that's a little bit iffy. Um, you know, you have to get with, you know, the Center for Medicare Services, have them advocate for you. We know that the president is diligent on working on this, but remember, it is so complex. They are all in bed with each other, making money off of us left and right. And unfortunately, the previous administration made this happen. And like I've said, everyone's complaining Obamacare is too expensive, too expensive, and I'm there. But the only people that were really hurt from this was our over 65 community. You know, and people that, you know, have insane costs for medications. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, there's an article floating around where some kid's uh, cancer medication, you know, was delivered and left on the porch and some guy stole it and it's $40,000. Um, here's the thing, you know, first question that everyone was $40,000, why is it so much? Because they can. Second, why did they leave it on the doorstep? Why is it mailed? Because that's what they do. The mail-order pharmacy doesn't care how much it costs. They send it to you, and if you want it registered or signed for, some of them don't even offer that service. 
So, you know, the parents having to use mail order pharmacy is probably because they're trying to save money. And imagine being elderly on a fixed income and having to take medications that, you know, like, um, one that I see constantly is, uh, interferon gamma, you know, for people that have issues with a metabolic liver, et cetera. Um, and that is extremely expensive. That costs people a copay of upwards of $9,000. And that's on original Medicare with just a regular prescription plan. Um, it's pretty intense. It is. And, um, we can't do anything about it. We're hoping that um, President Trump fixes it. These sweetheart deals, we don't really want them uh, because then that restricts who we can get our medications from. And um, I don't know how we're going to do it because insurance companies in Europe and in Japan operate completely different to ours here. So for like the United Kingdom, it's a socialist type. So it's the NHS that um, contracts with them. So they could say we're only getting aspirin from Bayer and everyone gets Bayer, period. Uh, acetaminophen you can only get from Depon, which is a Bayer product, not, you know, Tylenol, for example, or Panadol for, you know, ibuprofen. They have contracts. This is why their medications are cheaper. Um, this is how it works in most um European countries where they have government contracts. So this is why they get cheaper medications, but the people don't have a choice. We're in the United States. We want choice and we want to get good prices. So we can't really ask for the same prices that the United Kingdom or Japan or the other European states have without sacrificing choice. And the reason is, is because we have insurance companies and medical health professionals in the middle of it too. So it's, it's incredibly vital for us to appreciate uh, the circumstances that we are up against because we've created this. This didn't start now, started somewhere in the seventies where we started to create these relationships between insurance companies and doctors. Obamacare uh, well, in the 90s, uh, with Clinton Care, which is Obamacare, it's Clinton Care point 2.0 is Obamacare. Um, they were trying to socialize it so that way, pharmaceutical companies, healthcare companies, and um, uh, insurance companies made a lot of money, and that pretty much sealed the deal. So, it's 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 pretty crazy. It's very complex, and it's going to be a huge hurdle, and it can cause a lot of disruption in how we can fix this issue. It is because how do you just stop and say, all right, no more. You can't charge $150,000 for an appendectomy. That's it. A simple appy should not be $150,000, but they are. You can't charge $50 for a cotton wool. You can't charge a person who just had a baby a holding fee. This is like real stuff. So if a father is in the room while his wife is giving birth, the hospital charges you a holding fee to hold your baby. Like this is real stuff. You don't want to take my word for it. I urge you to go into DuckDuckGo and type in a birth hospital charges holding baby fee. Uh, lots of articles will pop up because people don't even pay attention because their insurance company pays for it. They don't even look at the itemized bill. It'll blow your mind completely. Pillow exchanges, sheets, you know, it's... <laughs> 
It's so complex and so difficult and they make it difficult on purpose. And then they give you these programs, like I was telling Kelly, where it's like, Hey, we'll send a free nurse practitioner because we want to help and see if we can offer you programs that'll help you with your health and help you navigate and do all this great stuff for you. Um, and it's free. And then you wonder, why is this third-party company calling me that's contracted with my insurance company? Because that third-party company has a federal contract and with your insurance company because that's how they got your information from your insurance company because they're not your insurance company, collecting all this data. And then when they go to the visit, you not knowing any better, give them all your medications and vitamin supplements that you buy yourself. Give them details about your diet. They look at your home. Then you give them all your recent lab results because that's what they ask for. And then they say, don't worry, we'll send a copy of this report to your doctor. You know, when an insurance company asks, well, why do you need this? And you're just like, you're my insurance. You just need to pay it. My doctor told you already. He coded it. This is why I need it. This is the position you have to take because the more you allow them, to pry, the more they're going to take. Now we're going to have um, a late uh, break, just five minutes right now, and I'll see you guys in a few. Red State Talk Radio is now available as a voice command on your Amazon Echo and Echo Dot by simply saying, Alexa, play Red State Talk Radio. Red State Talk Radio on TuneIn. Turn to every single American. Now, we've been hearing all these stories about sanctuary cities, sanctuary cities that... You can now find us on the Amazon Echo and Echo Dot on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, and we also have the phone apps in the App Store for your particular phone. And just in case we activated your Echo Dot, Alexa, stop. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switched to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it, but we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855-700-2978-855-700-2978-855-700-2978. That's 855 855- 729-78. Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam. Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable my pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My pillow stays cool and does not go flat. 
Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's one 800 Promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit mypillow.com. Welcome back to the Tori Sess Show. I did a late break because I didn't want to interrupt the train of thought and what Kelly was so kind enough to share with all of us because this is a real problem. And, you know, speaking of being on the right wavelength of news, Mike Cernovich actually asked a question about, um, you know, why insulin is so expensive. Uh, And he did it quite early this morning at like 2 a.m. And right now he just retweeted a bunch of answers he got is, why is insulin so expensive, he asked. And he says, a bunch of comments like, free markets, make your own insulin. Or what about drug patents, which are a government-granted monopoly, making it legal to make your own insulin? Do people actually know what is and isn't a free market exactly? For some reason, people believe that, you know, I don't think people understand how the pharmaceutical industry works. Um, Like I said, I had medical technology that I invented, put it under a sealed name, um, locked away the key under uh, for my kids. So nobody can challenge it because if it's so many years that it's been researched and no one challenged the patent or to take it or go to court and demand it, or if I don't give it away as the, uh, you know, um, responsible for that trust, then it can actually be free. This is why, you know, polio is so cheap, was so cheap to cure because he put it out there available to everyone. Now, in essence, people say, well, Tori, you know, you've invented this like 10 years ago and it won't be available to people for another 10. Yeah, but after those other 10 years or even longer if the law changes because that's what they're striving to do, um, I'll know that people will have access to it at a very cheap rate because it'll be open source. That's the problem. You can't even open source it. You can't put it out there. That is the problem with pharmaceuticals. They stand there. I told you the story about PharmaDude, right? How he sent an army of lawyers and took that patent when nobody even knew that HIV medication existed. And what he did was, as a PR stunt, raise the price to like, you know, something crazy like $700 a pill. And a lot of people jumped on slandering him, calling him all these names. But he did that to bring awareness. That was genius. This poor guy's still behind bars, right? Because he asked for someone to get a sample of Hillary's hair so he can DNA analyze it. It'll be interesting what happens with that. But the point here is, is that There is no free market when it comes to drugs. It's highly controlled by multiple governments. Lots of big money and interests. 
um, you know, there's people that I know um, that are no longer with us that I've had conversations with that have investigated the contents of flu vaccines and other vaccinations. And I've said it before, I was fired as an intern from the CDC uh, because I wrote an honest report saying that using porcine cells, which is piggy cells, right, um, causes changes in our actual DNA. Tamiflu does the same thing. You know, when people are like, oh, I got the flu, I have to take Tamiflu. I'm like, don't do it. It changes your DNA makeup. Trust what God gave you. Your T cells take longer, which fight viruses, than your B cells. We have two immune systems, B and T, right? Your B guys are your innate soldiers. They come up first. They're the ones that cause pus, you know, to come out of wounds. They're your first line of defense. Your T cells, on the other hand, are the ones that have to train and educate themselves on the infection you have, viral, bacterial. They take a little bit longer. The only thing you have to do is ensure that you keep yourself hydrated um, and take a bunch of vitamin C because, man, do they work. You do not want to take things like Tamiflu. They can cause changes in your genetic structure and even in your T cells, which may cause you an inborn type. And this is a real stretch. There's no evidence on it. But, you know, putting it out there, you know, HIV is a virus that changes the DNA makeup of your T cells. So it finds everything in your body as an enemy. It's trained wrong. And most of this training is done in the gut. This is why, you know, I'm all about, hey, use what God gave you, deal with it. Uh, you know, I try to take as few medications as I can. Um, I always try to source them out um, to know that they're natural. I inoculated my kids in countries where the vaccines were actual vaccines and different. You know, obviously my children have scars on their arms because they had the original type of vaccines uh, with live, uh, you know, active ingredients. So that way my kids don't have to go through the vaccination schedules that they have within the United States. I made sure to inoculate them in countries that still did not have these sweetheart deals. And you would go straight to the manufacturer and say, I want this. And that's what I did only because I knew that they were stronger. I mean, my kids are inoculated against yellow fever even, um, you know, and, and, you know, not everybody can do that. We, we unfortunately are in a society where we just provide blind trust to the government. And now through the election of President Trump, we're seeing that it's kind of nefarious, it's all coming to surface and it's about getting angry. We need to get angry. We need to, you know, hit back and smack back and say no more. We're in charge. We want transparency. You know, even the president came out and said, you know, this is a lot of stuff. Not saying don't vaccinate. Vaccinations are good, but at least spread them out. Don't give it to them in all one go. You know, there's evidence and research that shows that there are cancer markers within vaccinations and you know most of these people that have published stuff like that are dead right um it's pretty incredible and you know the fact that bill gates comes out and says well a lot of people are going to die because of a bio something in the next 10 years makes you think are they going to be in tinfoil hat or not you know are they activating anything in vaccines you know and as parents and as people you know i took the um i was um 
in Oregon and I stepped on a screw. I don't know how it went through my shoe, my heel. It went through the shoe, through my foot. And, you know, in the panic uh, with the pain medication, I got, you know, that triple shot with the whooping cough and everything. So now I'm exposed. There goes my <laughs> my coverage of not getting that because, uh, you know, to all my friends that have to get a tetanus shot, demand to get the single tetanus shot. That single tetanus shot cannot have any other byproducts in it. Um, you don't have to get the triple shot. The, um, you know, just make sure. But uh, what I want to say is, you know, we always have to now understand that our government has not been working for us. And the fact that they created laws where we can't sue pharmaceutical companies for injuries, the fact that, you know, they're telling us and dictating what medicine we can or cannot have is scary. Because, you know, even like insulin, for example, you know, we can't have that, right? It's expensive. You're diabetic. It's a medication that you have to always have. But do you go broke uh, in order to stay alive? And and that's a question. Uh, there were questions that rose in the United Kingdom where a child needed a specific treatment, but the NHS didn't want to pay for it because it was expensive. And they chose to let the child die as opposed to send them overseas to get this treatment. You know, these are things that are happening under our noses. And this is a big topic. And, and I said it last year, 2019 is all going to be about healthcare because when Yang comes out of the woodwork and he promises people access to healthcare through Medicare for all, and this is something they're pushing people that are in the position of not being able to afford their medications, people that have children that are ill, parents that are ill or are ill themselves with chronic diseases, autoimmune diseases, and that are dependent on medications will vote for it because it's in their interest and what they're telling them is in their interest. But we have to stay diligent. Like I've said before, like we have to stay diligent to what the bigger plan is. And, you know, it's really hard. I can't be in anyone's shoes. And I know that if I had a child that had a long-standing disease and I'm being told that I can either have them not have the medication and wait until we fix health care or have them have access to doctors and medications that's keeping them with me, it would be a hard decision to make. So I can't make that for anyone. But we have to always step back and look at the bigger picture, always. And um, this is something that's coming to the forefront slowly. Uh, the fact that he spoke about these sweetheart deals is important because I think it should be part of the narrative um, to tackle the Medicare for all argument. Um, so it worries me that he's giving foundation to this Medicare for all um, argument because remember they have socialized medicine and this is why they have the sweetheart deals. But also it can demonstrate how restricted they are in the medications they have. So we have to look at it both ways. Um, before the show ends, because I have like about four minutes left, um, I wanted to, to make a comment in regards to um, the tax returns. Two days ago, I saw on my personal Facebook feed friends complaining, you know, friends that live paycheck to paycheck that are filing like tax returns. They're upset because they're not getting three or $4,000 anymore. They're getting maybe 500 bucks. And um, they're shocked. They're just like, this is ridiculous. See, he's making rich people rich and I'm not getting money. And, you know, Kamala Harris said the same thing. People are complaining that they're not getting enough. And it's kind of like, hold on a second. 
you've been paying less taxes throughout the whole year. Why would you expect the same size return when you haven't been paying the same amount of taxes? Here's where it goes down to disinformation and people are running on this. Like they're saying it and they're not even embarrassed. And it's kind of like, okay, left math, leftist math is weird. Common core. This is why we have a problem because people do common core math. They think I pay less and I should expect more. No, that's not the way it works. So even for me, when I was, um, uh, helping my daughter file her first tax return, I was like, oh, it seems really little that you're getting back. But on the other hand, you've been paying very little tax. So it's since you've been paying less all year, you don't expect to have more. And I I wanted to put that out there uh, kind of as a final closing thought for today's show. Tomorrow it'll be all about love because I'm really excited because I'm going to be going out to dinner with family and friends. So today I wanted to talk about this because tomorrow I think we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about with William Barr going through confirmation, which we'll see how that works. We'll see what Donald Trump what our amazing president was thinking when he put that through. Um, because I still haven't understood that. So that'll be tomorrow. So today on that closing thought, when someone tells you this tax return or small, say, come on, do the math, man. Instead of paying $5 a day as you work, you've been paying two. Why would you get the same refund as if you were paying five? It's pretty simple, basic math. And anyone that doesn't understand that should not be voting. <laughs> um, So for tomorrow, what we expect to see is a lot of talk about William Barr. We should have some news about these NATO meetings that are happening. I'm really excited that, uh, you know, in a few days, our president is going to Hanoi. Um, So maybe that'll be talk. And I'm hoping that Friday we have some really big uh, boom. Border security hasn't really been discussed. The president's kind of on the fence. Am I signing it? Am I not? Right. Um, You know, he's looking into seeing, just like Scott Adams said, possibly getting money from somewhere else. We've got Ted Cruz pushing. Let's take El Chapo's money and build the wall. Um, Pelosi's telling everyone to sign it. Uh, because he doesn't get the money, but he gets border security and beds. So um, we'll see how that pans out because for me, I don't know what strategy he's taking. I mean, we know that he's already building the wall right now. It's being built. How he's doing it and with money is not really transparent. Um, The Democrats don't want to own a shutdown because he gave them a time limit. But um, if the Democrats stand fast and stay steady on them, you know, anything that President Trump's put out, we say no. Um, You know, we might get another shutdown and get this done the way it should have been done with a, a national emergency, which it is because we have these caravans coming and they're being bussed. And um, still waiting to see when they're going to start pushing the new idea that says, well, Mexico and Canada are validating people with ID, so we should just expedite the process. We don't need to take them to court because they've already been vetted, which is a very scary thought. Uh, so that's all tomorrow and Friday. So it's going to be super busy. For all of you that are getting ready for tomorrow for Valentine's Day, um, you know, remember love every day. Um, Give back to your neighbors. If you have a lonely uh, gentleman next door, go there and give him a flower. Um, I I was actually thinking of going to my local jail with my kids and offering maybe strawberries or fruit to those in, in jail. And you might say they're prisoners, but you know, they deserve love too. Uh, on that note, I wish you guys a happy and healthy evening from everyone here at Red State Talk Radio. I'll see you again tomorrow, 12 to 2 Eastern Time.